Hey coach. Hey dude, what's up? Good to see you. Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. So what's cool. up? Well, why am I here? Um, well, you're kind of at the end of your process now. You've learned about meditation, confession, how to pray, uh, the proper way to worship, and those are all really important things. Very important. So, uh, am I done? Um, I wouldn't say done because we're never really done. Uh, here at Spiritual Sweat, we believe that it's a lifelong process, but there is something really special I want to talk to you about today. What? What is that? Well, because of all your work, we should really celebrate. So we're going to celebrate today. Oh, are you serious? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. That's what I'm talking about, Pete. You're the best coach in the world. I know, I know. Uh, what are you looking for? What is this? It's my, my protein bar, you know, my Snickers. Dude, are you serious right now? Yeah, it was... We're celebrating, right? Are you serious right now? Yeah. Dude, you want to lose weight. Uh, yeah, but I don't even know the kinds I lost. It's not important. I know, it's the journey. It's the journey. It's the journey. Um, I'm a little worried you maybe didn't learn anything. You're going to have to learn it from Father Anthony, and I think he's waiting for you up there, so go on, get, and I'll meet you up there, and we can all hang out and this have a good torture. Time. Come on, I just... And also to celebrate uh, the conclusion of this series and Peter's hard work, he's going to share his favorite snack with everybody. So we're going to go through the island, all share right. his protein bar. Snickers all around. Snickers all around. Look at that. Look at that. What more can you ask for from a church? <laughs> Entertainment and free Snickers. All right. Well, as you are uh, enjoying those nice Snickers bars and hear all those lovely wrappers, okay, we are wrapping up our series on spiritual sweat. And as you can see already by the start of today, today is going to be a fun day. We are going to talk about a spiritual discipline, which you probably didn't even think is a spiritual discipline. And the word I'm going to talk about today, you probably never, ever associate this word with the word discipline. And that's the word celebration. But I believe, me personally, celebration, rejoicing, Living a life of joy is at the heart of what Christianity is all about. When Jesus first came into this world, what did the headlines read on the USA Today newspaper? The headlines read, 
Luke chapter 2, verse 10. That do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. When Jesus first showed up, his first appearance on this earth, it was a time of joy, and it was a time of celebration. And even after the angel said, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of, 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 of great joy, Jesus, when he preached his first sermon, y'all remember what Jesus' first sermon was about in Luke chapter 4? What did he preach? He said, I'm coming to proclaim the year of the Lord, sight to the blind, freedom to the captives, liberty to the oppressed, hearing to those who can't, can't hear. What could be more joyful than that? Today we are going to talk about celebration as a spiritual practice. And I'm going to not only ask you to celebrate, but I'm going to tell you that your life, your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ is incomplete unless celebration and rejoicing is part of it. Here's our definition of celebration that we're going to go with today. Celebration is the practice of bringing joy into our lives. Celebration is the practice. Whatever it is that does it for you. Celebration is the practice. And I'm going to stress on that word practice because it is a practice. It's something that you have to practice and keep on at. It's the practice of making ourselves joyful and bringing joy into our lives. Here's my theory in life. My theory in life is you cannot do anything in life long term without joy. A mother who is about to have a baby and goes through childbirth, she endures the pain of labor. Why? For the joy that she's about to receive. Parents, the, the pain isn't just labor, okay? There's something called teenagers, okay? And you endure the pain of teenagers for the joy of one day having a normal human being as a son or daughter. <laughs> you want to play the piano? You endure the pain, but only because you experience the joy. Everything in life is this way. If there's no joy, long term, you're not going to be able to sustain whatever it is that you're trying to do. Well, spirituality is no different. Spirituality, I'm going to show you a verse. That this verse is going to be a very incomprehensible verse. From 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. But this is where we want to get to. This is what a life of joy is all about. St. John says the following. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Which part of this verse is a little strange? Love of God, that we keep His commandments, okay. But then he says, what about the commandments of God? They are not Burdensome. How do you feel about that sentence? Do you agree? Do you agree the commandments of God are not burdensome? Because anytime I look in the Word of God and I start to see the commandments, and don't do this, and don't touch that, and don't look at that, and don't even think that, and I start to look at those commandments and say, they're extremely burdensome. They're extremely difficult. There's a lot of things that thou shalt not do. And a lot of things that we're called to do that are extremely difficult. So why does he say that the commandments of God are not burdensome? Why? It's not that the commandments of God are not burdensome and they're not difficult. But they are, in relation to the joy, nothing. In relation to the joy, the commandments are nothing. Think about it this way. As a married man, example I've given you all before, as a married man, being married comes with commitments, responsibilities, burdens. Gotta pick up milk on the way home. Gotta shop vac the basement when the thing floods. Got to take out the trash every Monday and Thursday, and you can't forget, and the recycling on Thursday. Can't forget, the, there's responsibility. So I say, oh, tell me, did you ask me, tell me about marriage. I said, oh, got to take out the trash. Man, I've had to take out the trash before. Man, I got to buy milk. Then I got to um, talk. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
man, marriage is tough. No, I'm not denying any of those things exist. But what I'm saying, you ask me about marriage, I say marriage is the best. Why? Because the joy of marriage, of finding someone that you love and sharing life. And sometimes she's the one who brings you the milk, okay? In our relationship with God, we focus so much on the commandments, and that's why they are burdensome. And that's why, you know what? I think a lot of you, I'm, I'm going to do you a favor right now. A lot of you who grew up not close to God, and maybe you're not close to God right now. Maybe you don't know much about God. You're just kind of checking out God, but you don't feel like you have that strong connection. A lot of times, it's not your fault. It's your responsibility. Don't let me, don't, don't me get me wrong and say it's not your responsibility. It's not, it is your responsibility, but it's not your fault. Because you were taught that God is a grouchy, cranky, crotchety old guy. And you were taught that by grouchy, crotchety, crankety old people. And they told you that God doesn't want you to be happy. And God is a miserable, miserable God. And they walk around all miserable. And they say, this is spirituality. We were taught that, okay, by a lot of people. Because once you are miserable, then you just have to justify it somehow and say, this is spirituality. And then you want everyone else to be miserable as well. Well, here I am to tell you that God is not miserable. God is not miserable. Jesus was a fun, 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 fun guy. Do you know what they accused Jesus of? What the people who hated him accused him of? Remember they said John the Baptist came talking about fasting. You, you're a what? A glutton and a wine-bibber. Y'all know what a wine-bibber is? He's the life of the party is what he is. A wine-bibber is the word for somebody who really was the life of the party. Now, understand me correctly, okay? I'm not saying that Jesus was a drunkard or anything like that. But my point is this. Jesus was always smiling, was always having such a good time that people looked at him and said, is there, you know, what have you been uh, doing in the morning, okay? Is there something that's aiding and abetting the enjoyment process in this guy's life? Here's my question for you. Would anyone say that about you? Again, I don't want you to be a wine bibber or a drunkard. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, would anyone look at you and be like, hey, you know what? What's this person on? What's this person? This person, something's not the same about them. Like we're sitting here, and then the boss just came in and, and reamed us out, and crying and weeping and wailing and planning revenge, and this one is okay. What's this one been? Something's wrong with this one right here. What is this one doing on Sundays? And they come in on Mondays, and they're like glowing. And they're like, they have a different perspective on anything. Can anyone accuse you of that? Unfortunately, we were taught by a lot of people that Christianity is all about rules. And Christianity is all about commandments. And Christianity is not. Christianity is about commandments, 1%. And yeah, some of them are a little bit difficult. But in the grand scheme of things, the commandments are not burdensome. Why? Because of the joy that comes with having a relationship with God. That's why. Bear with me on this one. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. Even though I already just went on a rant, I'm going to continue my rant. Okay? One of the things, laugh what you will. You're going to laugh at me, but that's okay. One of the things I believe, okay, maybe I should reconsider what I'm about to say. <laughs> one of the things that I believe about myself, I believe that God has a purpose for every single person. And I believe that, I've discussed this before, like everyone should have like a mission statement in life. I think because the, the power cord isn't in there, maybe that's why. So. Everyone, I believe, has like a mission statement in life. And everyone should have like a reason for their existence. And I, okay, so I'm a priest and I serve God and, 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 and. And I believe 
that I have a specific purpose as a priest. Every priest may have different things, okay? But I believe me, my purpose, God revealed this to me one day and I about exploded. My mission statement in life is God and fun. There it is. <laughs> my mission statement. The purpose of my existence on earth, I believe, is to show that God and fun are not mutually exclusive of one another. They are not. And God has given me the personality and the gifts and the passions and all the stuff for this one message. I'm not saying this is the only message in the whole wide world. Other people have other messages and those are fantastic messages. This is my message. This is why I do what I do. And I think that for, a, and I kind of know why, because when I was growing up, I was taught sort of by the powers that be that God was not fun. And that's why I wanted to just kind of keep arm's length from God. Because, like, I wanted to have fun. Like, who didn't want to have fun? So God was against fun. So I wanted a little bit of God, just enough to kind of stay out of downstairs, okay, the, the hot place, okay. I didn't want a suite down there. I wanted one of the air-conditioned suites upstairs. So I kind of stayed close enough to God to kind of be there. But I didn't really want to go all into God because I didn't want to have to stop having fun in life. And I can't tell you how many people I know I say, hey, man, you need to take a relationship with God seriously. And they say, but I like listening to music. Okay, so? <laughs> Who told you that God is against music? Oh, but I like hanging out. Who told you that God is against hanging out? Now, he's against some kinds of hanging out, and surely he's not happy with some kinds of music. But don't put this idea in your head that God is against fun. God is fun. Okay, you can write that down. You can memorize it. You can tattoo it on your forehead. You can do whatever you want. But don't let anybody tell you that God isn't fun. Jesus was most popular among which, among which demographic of society? Children. Children don't like crotchety people. They don't like old grouchy people. Who do kids like? They like fun people. And the kids, you couldn't keep the kids away from Jesus. I'm sure he was always having fun, handing out Snickers bars left and right, all kinds of stuff, okay? There goes my rant, okay? Now let's talk practically. If we're supposed to live a life of joy, how can we practice having more joy in our lives? I don't want to stand up here and say, do this, this, and this, and you'll be the most joyful person in the world. I don't believe it's like that. I believe like with all the spiritual disciplines, that there's something, like we saw with, with Mr. Peter up here, okay, that was the whole idea, was that exercising, you work, you work, you practice, you work, you effort, you practice, and eventually you see long-term results. So that's why we're having that same kind of mentality with all the disciplines. We're not just going to say one, two, three, and then you're going to be a, a new person in the morning. But if you can practice these three things I'm going to talk about, they're practices, and you continue and you're committed to these practices, watch that level of joy, temperature and the joy is going to start to go up and up and up and up and up, and that's what we hope for in all of our lives. Does anybody not want more joy in life? Anybody? Anybody say, I got enough joy? Too much joy. Please take some away. Bring some misery over to me. Anybody? Because we will send it over to you, okay? We will be happy to wish it upon you if that's what you want. We agree we all want more joy. The question now is how. Number one, practice seeing the good through the bad. Practice seeing the good through the bad. Right now, no matter who you are and what circumstance you're in in life, this applies to 100% of the people in this room here today. You have some bad things going on, you have some good things. 
You have some pain, you have some joyful things. You have both of them. You choose which to focus on. I'm not saying deny the pain. I'm not saying deny the circumstance. I'm not saying be oblivious. I'm saying, yes, I agree. I have these bad things. But just I'm not saying to negate these. Don't negate the good things that are going on as well. And sometimes, if you look hard enough, you may be able to see some good even through the bad. Is that possible? What the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Verse that we all say, verse that we all know, verse that very few practice. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Here's the thing about the good that God wants to do in your life. Even the bad things, God wants to use them for good. Not that the bad is good, but God can use them for good. The layoffs, the sicknesses, the marriage problems, the crazy teenage kid problems, God can use those things for good. And every one of us knows uh, someone else's life where something happened to them that was bad, and God used it in a very, very good way. It's easy to see with others. It's kind of hard to see with ourselves. Here's the thing about the good underneath the bad. It's not always evident at the surface level. You got to really dig sometimes to see it. It's always there, but it's not always evident. So the one who's going to live a life of joy is the one who is committed. This bad thing happened. There's got to be some good in here. Can't find it. I'm going to go back and look again. Can't find it. I'm going to be patient. And maybe I'm going to wait a week. And maybe after a week it'll become evident. Can't find it. Maybe I'm going to go ask my wife. Hey, do you see any good that could come out of this? Maybe I'm going to go ask my brother or my sister. Hey, you think any good could come out of this? I guarantee you it's there. But sometimes it's just hidden underneath a bunch of stuff. Story from the life of King David in the Old Testament. One time King David was traveling down the road. Okay, so a little context. David was the king of Israel at the time, but his, he had made some mistakes and he had started experiencing some trouble. Just, you know, your everyday common trouble for a king. His son betrayed him and is trying to take over the kingdom. You know, easy stuff, okay? So his son Absalom has basically declared war on him. And his son is trying to divide the kingdom and say, forget about the old man. Follow me. I'll be your king. You're run-of-the-mill, everyday family problems that every one of us has. During this time, tough time for King David, he's walking down the road. He's just walking from one place to the other. And then he runs into this guy named Shimei. Say Shimei with me. Shimei. Shimei is a good name. Anyone who's pregnant, consider it. Okay? <laughs> Shimei is a punk little kid. And look what this punk says to the king of Israel. Shimei says, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. This guy didn't like King David, as you can see. He liked the old guy, Saul. And he's saying, you did wrong to Saul by taking over his kingdom. And now your son is going to stick it back in your eye. And he's going to take over your kingdom. And you deserve it. And he cursed him. How you respond. You're king of Israel. How you respond to this little punk little kid coming out to meet me, king of Israel. I'm walking down the street. People should be like, like you know, throwing rose petals and stuff like that. I'm walking down the street. And this little guy comes out and says this. Well, Abishai, who's the right-hand man of David, look what Abishai says. He said, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please let me go over and take off his head. 
Abishai doesn't mess around. Right? <laughs> I'm just gonna walk over there, I'm gonna take his head, and then we're gonna continue and go grab a cup of coffee. And this is the way you should respond. This little punk coming to curse me? Take this boy out. I'm a king of Israel. I had no problems to deal with in life. I don't need to deal with some funny little boy trying to come and curse me. I'm a king. And all his friends are telling him to curse him. Or take him out, take off his head. How does David respond? Look what David says. Man of God. Man of God. What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse. Because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? Do you hear what he said? What did he say? He's saying, who am I to tell him to stop cursing? Maybe God told him to curse. What? You're the king of Israel. Nobody cursed you. He says, but you know what? Maybe God appeared to him and told him to curse me. Let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. You know what that is? That's a stud. That's a stud. That's a spiritual giant. That's someone who is truly fit to write the book of Psalms and sing songs of praise and joy that we still to this day hold on to. Because that's someone who wasn't going to let this punk kid ruin his day. He says, you know what? Maybe God told him to curse me. Leave him alone. Maybe God told him. Maybe there's a lesson. Maybe God wants to teach me a lesson to this little punk guy. Oh, you know what? Maybe there's no lesson. Maybe he's completely wrong. Maybe God will look upon me and say, wow, you had a rough day. Let me bless you. Leave the kid alone. You do that? Do you do that? Leave the kid alone? Is that what you'd say? Is that what you say at the office? When somebody messes with you? Is that what you do on 495 when somebody cuts you off? Is that what you do at the DMV when someone cut in front of you in line? The DMV? Leave them alone. You want to learn how to have more joy in life? Learn to be like King David. Man, life is too short to get worked up over every punk kid who curses me. Leave him. Leave him. Let him curse. Maybe even my ignoring him will teach him a lesson. Maybe, leave him, leave him, leave him. I got no problems, man. My kid's trying to kill me. I got no problems. I don't need to worry about this guy. <laughs> the bottom line is, I truly believe in life. You find what you look for. You find what you look for. If you are looking for the hand of God, you will find it in every situation. Because God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. He fills all in all. In your worst circumstance, he's there. He's not always a parent, but he's there. And if you look hard enough, you'll find him. If I take two animals and I send them off into the forest, let's say I take a butterfly and I send the butterfly off into the forest, what do you think the butterfly is going to find? Flowers, nectar, fruits, stuff. Let's say I send an anteater into that same forest. What's the anteater going to find? Ants. Why? Because you find what you look for. As you go through your day, are you an anteater or more of a butterfly? You're someone who's looking for the sweet or are you just looking for problems? You look for problems, you find it every time. And some people, and you all know these people, who love to complain about a problem. And when they don't have a problem, they complain about not having a problem to complain about. I love this verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, that if you're going through a rough time, you hold on to Psalm 30, verse 5. Psalm 30, verse 5. It says that weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing always, always, always comes in the morning. Emphasis always added by me. 
Okay. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. There has never been one night that the sun didn't come up the next day. Never. And there's never been one problem or one circumstance or one whatever where the hand of God wasn't there to bring good out of it some way, some shape, somehow. Number one, we will learn, we will practice to see good even through the bad. Number two, we will practice taking ourselves a little bit less seriously. We will practice taking ourselves a little bit less seriously because as the thing says up there, no one else takes you as seriously as you take yourself. I read a nice quote the other day that said that we take ourselves too seriously and we take God too lightly. Would you agree with that? I think we, we really messed that one up. We really messed that one up. We need to take ourselves less seriously. We need to take God a lot more seriously. One time St. Paul in Philippians chapter 1 was in prison and he wrote this epistle in, in, in Philippians. And he had, by this point in time in his life, he was an old man, he had gone all around the world as much as he could back in the day to, with boats and traveling on land. He'd done everything he could to start the church and to, to proclaim Christianity and the guy worked his tail off. And he was deserving to be honored and respected, but instead he finds himself in prison awaiting to be killed. And not only finding himself in prison, his disciples that he had left. So here I am, I go to the city, I make these guys disciples. And I teach them and all kind of stuff. And then I leave. And then after I leave, these guys, they start to be a little bit selfish and selfish ambition is the word that we're going to see. So what they start doing to make themselves bigger, how do, how do they make themselves bigger? They put me down. And they started to talk trash about St. Paul. Well, you people, you love St. Paul, but let me tell you the thing is, what he forgot to tell you is this, all right? And St. Paul, and they were doing it just for their own selfish ambition. One wanted to be popular, one wanted to be rich. They were doing it for all the wrong reasons. And word of this reached St. Paul in prison, what it says. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. You can imagine how painful this must be for a father. I give birth to these children spiritually, and I raise them, and I teach them, and I bend over backwards for them, and then as soon as I'm in prison, they're like, yeah, you know, he deserved it. Let me tell you something about him. And they trash him, and they start talking bad about him, so they can themselves lift themselves up. And St. Paul says, I found out about you guys. And you all know St. Paul, especially when he was young, he was a fiery guy. He was a cut-their-head-off kind of a guy as well, like Abishai, when he was young. How do you think he's going to respond to this? He said, what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether false motives are true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Like, this doesn't fit with this. This doesn't fit with this. They do this, they do this, they do this. But what does it matter? Why he said, what does it matter? Why he said, what does it matter? He's like, look, I don't take myself too seriously. I know I'm not the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm not reading my own headlines. I'm not telling everyone that follow me, follow me. You know what? I probably did say some things wrong. I probably did make some mistakes. That's okay. They want to preach it like that's fine. Let them do what they want to do. What do I care? One of the most freeing statements in life is, but what does it matter? It feels very good. 
But what does it matter? Say it with me. But say it after me. But what does it matter? It feels nice, doesn't it? Think to your problem. Think to um, traffic. Um, basement flooded. Um, stub my toe on the nightstand. But what does it matter? Let's play a little game. Let's do a little game here together. Let's be interactive, okay? Because we're doing a celebration today. I'm going to give you a circumstance, and you are going to decide. Is this something where I can say, but what does this matter? You say it, and if it's something that's, if it's something that's serious, then don't say it. But if it's something that's, well, what does it matter? What's it going to matter in 100 years? Well, say, just say it, okay? Let's go some, some some scenarios. Number one, your car broke down on the way to work, and you're going to be late to work today. What does it matter? Well, it ain't the end of the world. You don't like getting to work early anyway. I mean, it's an excuse to stop by, pick up a cup of coffee. Like, it's okay. Not the end of the world. Speaking of work, you're having a hard time at work. You don't really like your job. <laughs> well, what does it matter? Who cares? It's a job. They still pay you, right? Okay. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to probably, like, leave that job at some point in time. you find a better job. And if you don't, you know, you don't like them. They probably don't like you either. They, they might get rid of you. Like, <laughs> what does it matter? Like, who cares? A person that you know doesn't like you. <laughs> well, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like I said, I don't like them either. That's okay. Let them. Now, the caveat here is if you did something wrong to hurt them and they don't like you, that, that does matter. Okay? That does matter if you were wrong. But I'm saying this person doesn't get along with you. That, that's okay. Like, there's many people on this earth. Go hang out with someone else. Okay? Your hair is thinning. Not as much response on this one. <laughs> it's okay. That's okay. It's okay. The rest of us, okay, we will say to you, you know, you got more hair on your back than your head. That's okay. It's not the end of the world, okay? We'll all be there at some point in time anyway. All right, this last one, last one, last one. You are a fan of a football team that has been struggling for many years. You drafted a star rookie quarterback who is the best thing since sliced bread, but he went down in a gruesome injury in the final game of the year, and you're worried you'll never be the same, and you're ready to throw away everything that you own. This is Washington Redskins. <laughs> good, not saying anything. Way to go. That was good. That was a trick at the end, okay? Some things do matter more than others. <laughs> Point is, stop taking life yourself so seriously. We want to take God very seriously and ourselves, we want to learn to laugh things off. You can't laugh at yourself, and they've done studies on this, and I don't know what it is, but I know it's true. The people who can laugh at themselves, many of the happiest people in the whole wide world. We want to learn to be like those kind of people, all right? So number one, we want to see the good in every situation. Number two, we want to take ourselves too seriously. We want to take God extremely seriously, but ourselves, Eh, we, we don't want to read our own headlines too much. And then number three, long term, we must practice a life of obedience. Now you say, where did this one come from? The long term solution to a life of joy, true joy, is a life of obedience to the commandments of Christ. Why? What's the connection? One time our Lord Jesus Christ was walking around, and as he was walking, this was near the end of his life. A lady shouted out to him, shouted out from the crowd, said, Blessed are you, 
Say, you are blessed, and blessed is the lady who bore you. John chapter 11, verse 27. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. And he said to her, believe me, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. The word blessing in the Bible is the same word that's translated as happy. Okay, but it's not the way we use happy. It's more of like joy. So a lot of, we know the word says like blessed are, blessed are. A lot of them will say happy are, happy are. And this lady said to him, Man, you got the luckiest mom in the whole wide world. You are something special. Your mom must be something special. And she was. Virgin Mary was more blessed than anybody else who ever walked. But he said, you know what? I'll tell you who's more blessed. Anyone who hears the word of God and keeps it. Being my mom, being my dad, being my... That's what Jesus said. Yes, that's great. But you can have more blessing than even that. How? Live a life of obedience. Some of us, some of us, we try shortcuts to the blessing of God. Shortcuts to joy. We live how we want Monday through Friday. We want to show up at church on Sunday. I want to sing a song. I want to have a cup of coffee. I want to hear a sermon. I want to walk out full of joy. Don't work that way. Jesus ain't a gimmick. No shortcuts to joy. You're not just going to live how you want, ignore him all week, and show up. Say, sing me a joyful song, preach me a joyful message, and let me be full of joy all week long. It doesn't work that way. If that's what you're looking for, you're in the wrong place, because I ain't selling that because I don't have that. What does lead to long-term joy is obedience to the commandments of God. Why? You ever think about that? Why? Why do you have to obey to have joy? Is it that God is saying, like, okay, I got all this joy, and... Prove to me that you're worthy of it. Go ahead. Obey. Go ahead. Pray. How many times did you pray? How many you pray? Okay, you prayed more than you, so you can have more than you. Is that what God does? And you did this, and you didn't do that. Is that what God does? He withholds it until he sees? No, no, no. That's, again, that's that wrong mentality and vision of God that's wrong. Think of it as my children with me. I'm their dad. So I go to my children, and I say, um, eat your vegetables. Eat your vegetables. You got to eat your vegetables. Put down the cupcake, eat the vegetables. And I tell them every day, you got to eat your vegetables, put down the cupcake. Health-wise, health-wise, which of the children will experience blessing and joy health-wise? The ones who obeyed. Why? Because I choose to give it to this and not to this? No. Because the commandments are how to live a life of joy. And it's not that I'm saying I'll only bless you if you do this. I'm saying anyone who does this will be blessed. And anyone who does this will be full of joy. And anyone who keeps these commandments, these are the path of joy. And I'm not deciding and I'm not like that. I'm saying joy is a road and the steps to get there are these commandments. And anyone who wants it is welcome to have it. God desires our joy more than you can possibly imagine. Not in a gimmicky way, but in a long-term way. That's why he gave us the commandments. John chapter 15, verse 10 and 11. I told you in the very beginning when Christ came to this earth, it was all about joy. When Christ left this earth as well, it was all about joy as well. One of his last words to his apostles and his disciples, John 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Keep the commandments, you stay in this track of my Father's love and my love, which leads to the joy. And that's what he says here. These things I have spoken to you, 
that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. You want true joy? I can't give it to you. You will not get it no matter how many sermons you listen to. You won't get it no matter how many songs you sing. No matter how many retreats, whatever it is that you go on, you're never going to find joy. You want joy? Practice obeying the commandments of Christ. That's why celebration is the conclusion of our series. Because what we've been talking about all series is spiritual disciplines. Things that God is calling us. We've been talking about the path, okay? We've been talking about the path. And here's the joy, and that's the path. We want to live a life of meditation. We want to live a life of simplicity, solitude, service, confession, worship. We want to live that life and live that life and live that life. And as we're doing that, we want to practice celebration, seeing the good. We want to practice not taking ourselves too seriously. We want to live a life of obedience. And if you keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on, you can get to the point where you will live a life of joy and you will be different. Not shallow different, not superficial different, not like, yeah, thank God. And you don't mean it? Not like, yeah, no, like real, like real joy that oozes out of you and that people come to you and say, what do you want? What you, what, what's funny about you? I often think to myself, like I said, I grew up <clears throat> thinking that God was against fun. And I grew up thinking that God was just a miserable God. Okay, and that you had to be miserable to be, to be close to God. I want to be the kind of person. I want someone to come to me, okay? And I'm just sharing, okay? Like, I want it to be all of us. I want someone to come to me one day and be like, hey, whatever you're doing, your God, I want to have that same God. People come to me and say, this person doesn't know God. I want to tell them about God. Don't tell them about God. Like, if you want to tell them, tell them. That's fine. But go and live a life. Parents come to me oftentimes and say, my kid don't want to come to church. And I say, you know why your kid don't want to come to church? Because you go to church every Sunday, on the way home, you are a miserable person. You're fighting with your husband. You're fighting with your kids. You're fighting with yourself. And then you say, come to church with me next Sunday. Why do I want to go to church with you? <laughs> if that's how you come home, you want to show people the light? And go be shining. And go come home on Sunday, so full of light. People say, where did you go this morning? Take me, I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I'm following you next Sunday. Because you come home, something's not right. Something's not right with you. St. Augustine of Hippo said the following. He said, the Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. We are children of a great king. And the last time I checked, it's been a little bit, but I hadn't checked recently, but the last time I checked, the tomb that he was buried in, it's empty. And the throne that sits over all the earth is occupied. And the one who occupies it, who used to be in the tomb, who now occupies the throne, that's my daddy. That's my daddy. And that's your daddy. What we got to complain about? Little traffic on the way to work. Coffee wasn't good. Wife burnt the cookies again. What we got to complain about? Basement flooded. Like, come on. We got, what we got to com complain about? We got a great king. A great king. And that king is our daddy. Tomb is empty. Throne is not. We are his children. And because of that, we will not live like everyone else. We won't. We won't live like everyone else. We can't. We can't be his children and live like everyone else. We can't. 
we'll live a life of joy. And people will look at us and say, whatever it is that you got, I want it. And that's going to be the true measure of whether we are living the life of spiritual disciplines or not. That people would see the light that's coming outside of us. That wraps up our spiritual sweat series, okay? It's been a fun one, all right? And I hope that you enjoyed it. And I hope that you can not just take all these things in one ear and out the other, but you take these seven practices, all right? And like I said in the very first week, is that you make yourself a plan. You see, okay, I'm good at this, I'm good at this, I'm weak at that, and I'm weak at that. So let me attack this, and let me attack this. Don't try to do all seven at the same time. Just like my man Peter, when he tried to do all the machines at the same time, he ended up doing nothing. Focus on one, focus on two, come up with a plan. And in the end, we want to keep them all balanced, then we'll be very healthy spiritually. All right, ladies and gentlemen? All right, let's stand up for a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for this day that you have given us, and we thank you for the perspective that you always remind us of, that there's so much more to this life than meets the eye. And I pray, Lord, that you would not let us to be like carnally minded and earthly minded in everything that we do and, and how we live. Let us to see like the big picture that you are working. And let us to see through all the, the circumstances and, and, and find your hand. We want to live a life of real joy. The joy that you promised to your disciples and the joy that you said should be in us and should be full. Pray, Lord, that you would transform all of things in our life that take away the joy and you'd reveal to us how you want to make our joy complete through those very things. Lord, bless each and every single person who's been with us here in this series and let it not just be in one ear and out the other, but let our lives truly be transformed as you promise that your word always transforms our lives and never comes back void. Change us, Lord, into the kind of people that you want us to be, people of joy, people of celebration. We ask this in the name of your Son, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Just a quick note that as, um, as uh, we announced earlier that I'm not going to be in town next week. Okay? Um, but we'll still have the well will be going on, but we have a practice of celebration. All right, we're